Nashville Predators split the weekend series in Canada, but are problems starting to pop up for the Nashville Predators? Plus, UC Saros with another big game. Is he officially back? And a wild play between two former Nashville Predators, just part of a rough weekend in terms of revenge plays. What does the NHL need to do to stop stuff like this from happening? We'll talk about it on today's Locked On Predators podcast. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked On Predators podcast your first listen of the day every single day. We are your free daily Nashville Predators podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As always, I want to start out with a special hello to our loyal Locked On Pred heads out there, the everydayers who tune into every single show. We love you guys. We appreciate the support you give us week in, week out. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer at Penalty Box Radio, and I have a partner in crime. You do. I'm Ann Kimmel. I am a writer at the Hockey News. Today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. All right. A up and down hockey weekend for the Nashville Predators this weekend. Of course, a, a loss to Toronto followed by a win in Montreal. UC Saros, the story of those games. Uh, and of course, a couple of heated moments around the NHL this weekend that are getting a lot of people talking. We'll get into all of that on today's show, uh, but we would be remiss if we did not uh, acknowledge the hurt a lot of you guys are feeling uh, from these storms that happened over the weekend here in middle Tennessee. Uh, just just bad images coming around from all parts of the state. Um, and I know there, there's people in your neighborhood that took uh, some heavy hits um, you know, and so, yeah, it's, it's rough to see a lot of the images. So, um, yeah. if you guys are if listening and know people impacted by that or are impacted yourselves, uh, our thoughts are with you. Um, and we, we hope that maybe, uh, today's episode is a good step towards, you know, giving you some normalcy and, you know, some fun stuff as you start to, to pick up the pieces. Yeah, it was definitely a hard weekend here, um, just down the road from us. They're dealing with a lot of issues. So, you know, hard to focus on hockey, but it's also a good perspective check because you just can't quite rage too, too much <laughs> about yeah. goaltending or third period performances, you know, when everything is kind of put into perspective. So our thoughts, like Nick said, are, are just with everybody in the area. It's just been kind of a tough weekend. Yeah. Uh, and not to keep towering the mood or anything, but uh, prayers up to Frank Wycheck and his family. Oh. The uh, the first Titans jersey I ever owned, uh, a, another Tennessee Titans legend. I think somebody that a lot of sports fans here love. Yes. Uh, so so thoughts up. Rough weekend uh, all yeah. around for Middle Tennessee. Um, but we will press on and talk about some hockey um, hopefully give everybody a nice little escape or cheer people up, whatever we do here. Uh, the Nashville Predators, as we mentioned, Saturday, a not very good performance in a 4 nothing loss 
to the Toronto Maple Leafs, but a win last night over the Montreal Canadiens. They also didn't really look good in that win, but hey, they, they at least won. Two points uh, is two points. <laughs> two points is two points. Um, yeah, let's let's kind of hone in on last night's game first uh, against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Nashville Predators go up 2-0 thanks to two goals from Colton Sissons. Uh, Canadians get one back right at the end of the second period. And then it's just kind of a hold on and hope for the best situation. Uh, UC Soros, it feels like we just said this the other week, but last night might have actually been uh, his best game so far yes. this season. So, yep, that's that's the story for the Nashville Predators. A 2-1 win. UC Soros bails them out. And what's your one word to describe the game? You'll be very pleased to know that this word doesn't actually have to do with food. <laughs> I was very intentional not to choose food. But my one word, I went with another sport. And the game last night really felt to me a lot like short track speed skating. If you've ever watched short track speed skating in the Olympics, you know, it's a it's an oval track. It's just over 111 meters in length, in case anybody was wondering, or it comes up on Jeopardy. And you get anywhere from four to six skaters going around this. And, and it looks pretty calm. I mean, everybody's skating really fast in the first couple of laps. Sometimes you'll see people kind of jockey for position or, you know, kind of take a lead, you know, in the first couple of laps. But, oh, my gosh, y'all, that last lap when you're watching speed skating is nothing short of absolute chaos. It is an all out sprint. It is people fighting and jockeying for position, trying to cut in the corners, trying to get in the way. Sometimes people knock other people out and they go flying across the ice. It's just absolute utter chaos at the end. And watching that Nashville Predators game to me felt a lot like watching that last lap in short track speed skating because it was literal, utter chaos at the end. And the pace was so frantic in that third period. I mean, Montreal was absolutely punching and punching and punching and punching and punching and bringing it and bringing it. And Nashville tried so hard to try to get something going to generate some offense to, to kind of counteract it in, in, it was just absolute chaos to where you had no idea, literally up until the final buzzer. And even for a split second after the buzzer, because UC Saros, again, at the final buzzer had to make a save. Mm -hmm. You wondered, how, how is this going to pan out? So for me, this was just another sporting event, like sport, like short track speed skating, where you're like, there is chaos at the end. How is this going to sort out? It was a nerve wracking last 20 minutes of that yes. game yeah and if all the toronto game where they didn't exactly look too good in the past like they got worse yeah. as the game went on sort of thing and it, it felt like maybe that happened a little bit for the Nashville predators yesterday too my one word is kenny now have you seen uh south park ann i have never seen south park so the character kenny the little guy on the the you know, orange coat, his shtick yeah. is he gets killed every episode. Like he dies every episode. He comes back the next episode. It's fine. But it's just like, there's just like wild ways in which he keeps dying, but it's the spirit of Christmas. Anne. And in the South park Christmas episode, 
uh, which was the first episode ever for South Park where Kenny didn't die. They keep like teasing him dying. Like, it's like, Kenny, like, all right, we need you to go fix these like lights. And it's like, he looks over and it's like all these wires from the lights are in this big puddle. And it's like this ominous music. And he looks like they can't put the camera to him and he's shaking. And it's like, oh, Kenny, we need you to adjust the star, but be careful. It's over those tank of hungry sharks for the third <laughs> act. It's just like these like situations where it's like, oh, yep, here he comes. He's going to die. Um, and uh, yeah. And, and so it's like you keep kind of thinking like he's going to fall in the pool of sharks or something like that. Yeah. And then it's like at the end, they're all sitting around and it's like, hey, I feel like we're missing something. And it like cuts to Kenny like um you know shaking and then it's like i don't know what it could be though and then it flashes the end of the top and kenny just like starts cheering he's like yeah! and then it like goes to the credits and it just it's like it's one of those things where it's like oh like the thing that they kept teasing and expecting was going to happen didn't happen yeah uh, and that felt like this this nashville predators team yesterday like it just felt like you saw moments in the third period where it's like you're you're adjusting the star above the tank of hungry sharks like it's just like this this is it like right here this is this is the tying goal uh this is where the momentum is completely going to switch uh and then uc saros was the christmas miracle that just happened to kind of hang on and you know give the nashville predators a little bit of an out but it just felt like there's so many moments in that third period i was like this oh. is this is it like this is this yeah. is where the game tying goal happens, uh, and then it didn't happen. Thanks to thanks to UC Soros. I know I love that. We did get some great one words too on Twitter. Just wanted to share Kevin Walker's one word for last night's game was tough, as in this team is tougher than a two dollar steak, and they're beginning to really show it. I like that. Clay Phillips one word one. Is that not all that really matters in the end? The Nashville Predators won. No style points no. in that game. No. But they won. <laughs> uh, JB at Nashville said Snossus. There Which, we go. There's that a is, throwback yep. to 2014, 2015. That's right. That's right. The stupid seal said, whew. Yeah, though, though, that sums it up. Those those are words. I love the Snossus, though. That will, I actually, I think they should sell a Snossus jersey, like a legit Snossus jersey. There we go. Yeah. High quality. Uh, yeah, I feel like for a while, like we were definitely getting a lot of Snossus content. Yeah, yeah, you, know, you can never too. get enough Snossus content. Yeah, thank you, uh, <laughs> fanatics, soon to be official jersey <laughs> provider of the NHL. Maybe we will actually get another Snossus jersey because of this. Because, yeah, yeah. UC, UC Soras or <laughs> Ryan, Ryan Mick Riley. <laughs> Yeah, something. So much something potential, like y'all. Yeah. The, the possibilities are endless. Uh, speaking of UC Soros, uh, <laughs> UC Soros had himself a fantastic weekend, uh, and he is on a fantastic stretch run right now. Is he officially back? That's a conversation we're going to have in just one second. But first, want to mention today's episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. That's what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what keeps your ride or die in the garage alive and well. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance 
from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and much, much more. Whether you're into speed, power, style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber and not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. So keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. All right, Dan, uh, a big storyline for the Nashville Predators over the past little bit has been UC Soros. Mm -hmm. uh, we mentioned in that Montreal game, probably don't get that win unless yeah. UC Soros steps up. 36 saves on 37 shots. Uh, as Alex Doherty pointed out, over the past four games for the Predators, UC Soros, 9.54 save percentage, 150 goals allowed, or 1 1.5 uh, goals uh, against average, 4-0 record. Uh, and when you date back to January 20th, which was that Colorado win, uh, UC Soros has won nine of his last 10 starts. So, let see. Is UC Soros back, Anne? You know, I think so. I think so. I want to say 100% yes. And here's the thing. I think we need to get a couple more games under our belt for UC Soros. But we've always talked about Soros. Is, he's a crockpot. He's not a microwave. And so you know it's going to take him a little bit. I think what was so um, hard this season is that his November was tough. Saros had a, a bit of a tough November. He had an 8.68 save percentage through his November games. And, and there were some really tough games in there in November. And I think by like mid-November is kind of where we're used to seeing Saros sort of kick in. Now, big yeah. picture, that is a little bit of where this tide turned for Saros. But I think we were kind of surprised, not necessarily by, at least for me, not so much by the wins and losses, but by some of the performances. Right. There were some saves that you saw in some early games where you were like, Saros, like normally Saros would get that save. I think there's a couple things to it. I think obviously that's just kind of, you know, he's, he's a crockpot, takes him some time to warm up. But I also think you can't underestimate the, the fact that he's got people playing very differently in front of him. It's a different system. And so he's yeah. got to make adjustments. And let's face it, the defense situation in Nashville still isn't nailed down. You know, he's, you know, he still can't know for certain what's going to happen in front of him because the defensive pairings, I mean, you look at from the game Saturday night to Sunday night, very different blue line, very different blue line. So I think there's some factors going into it. Is UC Saros back? I, I would say I'm not sure he ever left, but yes, I, I think everybody is starting to feel more confident where when you see what we saw in the third period last night, there's a part of, of Predators fans at this point who go, Soros could still bail us out of this. Yeah. Soros, you know, we've seen enough in the last couple of games to go, you know what? This is horrible. This is a train wreck. <laughs> but you see Soros may get us out of this. I feel like that's been the story of the Predators franchise for what, the past 
four or five years, however long it's been. Yeah. Probably even longer before then when you take in the uh, the Pecorine factor yeah. into account. The Predators, I think, have just uh, had a long, luxurious franchise history of getting bailed out by good goaltending and getting farther than they should be in any stretch of the imagination right? due to good goaltending. Yeah. Uh, and you hit on something that, you know, was kind of my point, Anne, was just like, you know, the types of saves – we're seeing from Soros mm -hmm. uh, because it looks more like the UC Soros from last year, you know, like the sequence last night where it was just, you know, kind of bang, bang, like, you know, a, a shot by Montreal, uh, a rebound would get knocked in front and then Soros would kind of recover quickly to, to get the second chance opportunity. That's what made him such a good goaltender the past few years. It's just that recovery time, uh, that ability to cover a lot of ground in front of the net in a short amount of time, the, the ability to kind of change his position and track a puck. That's something that wasn't really happening earlier in the season. You know, yeah. we saw him give up uh, some bad rebounds and not be able to kind of recover in time or, um, you know, a, you know, a, a shot from distance, he would kind of, you know, lose track, you know, on the way or not track it right. Um, and a lot of those, as a lot of people pointed out, were, you know, deflections, bounces, that kind of thing, that stuff for that's hard for any goaltender. But we've seen UC Saros be able to kind of track and adjust and be able to kind of adjust his positioning when there's a deflection and mm -hmm. be able to at least get a, a piece of it to, to knock it away. Um, that's something that wasn't, you know, that he's kind of built his calling card on over the past couple of seasons. That's something he wasn't able to do. So it's not just for me, the stats, the numbers, the win loss record, it's the types of saves he's making. He's able to kind of go back to his old technical standpoint from the past few seasons. And that to me, uh, maybe the biggest sign that, yeah, I think UC Saros is, is getting getting back up to where the Preds need him to be. Yeah, he's getting he's getting his groove on again, quite like Stella. Yeah, yeah. And I think he, he's getting he is the Stella of the Nashville Predators, <laughs> folks. He is the Stella, and I think it helps too that the defense is figuring out what they need to do in front of him. Who whomever that may be on defense, y'all, because. Mm -hmm. It was just, it was, it was a very different, it was a very different defense in, in two very different games. So Andrew Burnett's got a lot to sort out there with the blue line. Let's talk about that uh, a little bit because Dante Fabro, uh, perennial healthy scratch back in the lineup, Luke Shen, who the Preds have just been trying and trying to get going. Uh, he's taken out of the lineup for healthy scratch reasons. Um, yeah. I mean, to me and my thoughts were Dante Fabro last night, kind of makes you question why Dante Fabro was ever taken out yes. of the lineup to begin with, because he played uh, a great game on both ends of the ice. Is, is this something we should expect to see just Andrew Burnett sort of, you know, adjusting his seven NHL level D men uh, in, until something is resolved, like him just kind of, shuffling the lineup around based on who they play um, or like, do the, does he need to sit down and, and figure something out? And it's like, okay, we were doing so good at the start of the year because we had so much consistency and consistent pairings. Right. Do we need to get back to that? Yeah. It's a great question. So much of it, I think hinges on what is going to happen with Tyson Berry. It almost feels like it's hard to make 
and lock in some sort of long-term plan with this blue line when there's this kind of cloud hanging over like Tyson Berry. Are you in? Are you out? Obviously, he's in until he's out. You know, he's a professional. He's in until he's out. But what where is this all going to land two weeks from now? Who is going to be on the Nashville Predators roster? I think part of the shift is it was a back-to-back game uh, and he wanted fresh right. legs. And and let's face it, Luke Shen, you know, missed such a long period of time. It's probably a good idea for him to sit out a back-to-back game. But I agree with you. Dante Fabro has not looked like somebody who should be healthy scratched at all this season. You know, so there is something to be said for like, you need to nail this down at some point in time. And I thought, you know, you looked at the pairings that they had in the game last night against Montreal. You had Yossi with Fabro, which we have seen be very successful this season and in previous seasons. You had McDonough Carrier, which is another great pairing there, too. So. I really wonder what is Andrew Burnett's plan? You know, are are you going to get to a point where you feel like you have nailed down your blue line? These are our six guys. Here's our seventh guy. We're going to rotate in if we need to. If we get an injury, we're going to call Stasny or Del Gaizo. It just still feels like you don't know for sure where this blue line lands with Andrew Burnett. I don't know. And and it seems like we're getting to a point in the season where we should probably have an idea of what, what we've got. Yeah. I would imagine uh, the uh, Tyson Berry situation is going to solve a lot of things Yeah, uh, for the Nashville predators. So um, I guess stay tuned to that to see if we can get a resolution. Uh, Who knows? Maybe that opens up a permit spot for Spencer Stastny, uh, or Mark Dolgaizo, somebody like that, and the Predators can kind of, you know, build something uh, yeah. on that. Obviously, a lot of good and a lot of bad from the past two weekends, uh, so, or, you know, the past weekend, the past two games, I should say. Uh, so tomorrow, we will do our special plus minus. Uh, we're pushing it back a day to have more time to kind of break down individual players. So stay tuned tomorrow. We'll go through some of the highs and lows of the past two games. But first, want to talk about a wild couple of situations in the NHL over the past weekend. You probably know what we're talking about, the situation with Dylan Larkin and Matthew Joseph uh, and David Perron up in Detroit, the situation between Nick Cousins and Eric Gabranson yesterday. What should we make of this, and what should the NHL do to stop situations like this from happening? The answer is a lot easier than you think. We'll get to it in a second. First, I want to let you know this episode's brought to you by our great friends at Sleeper. A new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. Look, Philip Forsberg could definitely score 50 goals this season. The Preds, hey, they could make a playoff run. And you can win big by playing daily fantasy hockey on Sleeper. It is the official daily fantasy app of the Lockdown NHL Network. Sleeper is our number one choice for daily fantasy sports, especially daily fantasy hockey, because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. All you have to do is pick whether players will record more or less than their sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves. I'm choking. I'm so excited about it. Plus, minus, and more in a given game. For instance, tonight, you can go on the sleeper app and pick will former Predator Matt Duchesne score more or less? 
then 2.5 shots on goal. Will former Predator Ryan Johansson score more or less than 0.5 goals against Calgary tonight? Or could Miko Rantanen score more or less than 0.5 power play points? So to win 100 times your bet on sleeper, all you have to do is correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Preds fans. 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can win big. Use our promo code locked on NHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's code locked on NHL. See sleepers terms of use for details and locational availability. All right. So a couple of, let's say, tense situations here uh in the nhl this past weekend uh, that has a lot of people uh, a couple of locked on hosts uh all up in arms so there there's two situations in question here so in detroit i'm sure a lot of you people have seen this uh, we had Matthew Joseph from the Ottawa Senators hit Dylan Larkin in the back of the neck, bottom of the head. Larkin wound up falling forward into another player, was knocked unconscious on the ice. Uh, in retaliation, David Perron comes over and basically just two-hand cross-checks uh, the Senators' Artem Zub in the side of the head. Then we flash forward to yesterday's Columbus... Uh, oh, should mention that Matthew Joseph not ejected, David Perron ejected in that situation. Uh, we had a situation yesterday between Columbus and Florida. Uh, Matt, Nick Cousins, former Nashville Predator, uh, hits uh, Erica Branson from behind into the glass. Branson goes like kind of reverse table folds into the boards and mm -hmm. glass, is kind of stunned for a moment. Goes after Nick Cousins. Nick Cousins is only given a minor for boarding on that play. Next shift, they're out there together. Erica Branson, uh, what can only be uh, you know assessed as a pro wrestler taking 100%. on a quote-unquote local talent, uh, <laughs> body slams Cousins to the ice and just basically goes for the MMA knockout 100%. on him. Uh, Erica Branson ejected. Nick Cousins not uh, we got word that the NHL player safety is going to talk to both Gabranson and Perron. No word on either of the two people who I guess started each situation. So those are two revenge plays mm -hmm. in the NHL this weekend. Uh, and I guess what are your thoughts on the whole situation? A couple of thoughts. First of all, I think just in life as in hockey, it's always the second guy who's going to get punished for it. And that sucks. Mm -hmm. I think that sucks. Um, second of all, look, the NHL has to figure out what they do and don't want in hockey. And then they need to start calling games like they do or don't want certain plays in hockey. And I don't think they're doing that. And, and I think we've seen it in a couple other instances. Uh, I personally feel this way a little bit about the fact that the hit on uh, Alexander Carrier 
crickets, uh, yeah. Kaprizov. Not that I feel like he was necessarily uh, intentional, but if you're going to hit to the head and you're the NHL and you say we aren't allowing hits to the head, you better get on it. Uh, and, and I do think just in general, look, the referees have to keep control of these games. This cannot be a league where the players police themselves. Otherwise, this is what you're going to get and you can't squawk about it, you know? So for me, it's just a lot of frustration and a lot of it for me comes down to you've got to start calling games in a way that tells people how you want the NHL to look. And I feel like there were some significant whiffs this weekend. Here's the situation. And you kind of hit it perfectly where for some reason, the, and it is a society thing too. And I don't mean <laughs> to kind of bring this into it, but it's always like somebody does something bad and the biggest backlash is always the reaction to it. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, well, they definitely should have done that. But I just think, you know, saying that in response or doing that in response is just so tactless. Um, it's like that in hockey, too, where mm -hmm. you have a questionable hit like that. And we have seen in both situations like this and the Kaprizov play, and we have seen those get called ejections. We've seen those get five yes. penalties. The NHL maybe can go back and look at it and be like, okay, there wasn't anything there. But we have seen those players like that thrown out of the game. Uh, and so what happens is that the players are saying, this needs to be an ejection. This guy, you know, we just lost our best player for the game. Yeah. Uh, and the guy that did it gets to keep playing. Like, there's no justice in that. So that's when the players are like, okay, we're going to go get justice. And that's when David Perron, who, you know, let's add context for the Red Wings situation. Dylan Larkin has been sidelined by play, like these very plays, a cross check from um, Jamie Ben that did not go past yes. the league. He had a hit from behind from Matthew Joseph that wasn't suspended a year ago. Yep. So when you see your player take another headshot, yeah, of course you're going to want to go and just cross check the guy standing next to him in the head. If you're Eric Branson, you, you know, we've seen careers ended by plays like mm -hmm. the Cousins play. If you're Eric Branson, of course you're going to go and just beat Nick Cousins to a bloody pulp because he's still in the game. Right. And he shouldn't be. And that to me is the biggest thing. If in the NHL needs to figure themselves out because how many times we heard like, okay, well it's the players up to police themselves. You know, Ray Whitney had that famous quote. He's on the player safety board. Now, you know, he said like, well, you know, back in my day, like if you didn't want to get hit by Scott Stevens, he just stayed away from where Scott Stevens was playing. And that's sort of the mentality. It's like, hey, if you don't want to get beat up or cross-checked, like don't, you know, target the other team's best player. Don't hit the other team's best player. That's kind of been the attitude from NHL player safety. So like if by that logic, like shouldn't we be commending David Perron? Shouldn't we be commending Erica Branson if that's really what you want? Yeah. But if that's not what you want, if you want to seriously take plays out of this game, come on. If you want to, you know, focus less on the gong show nature of hockey 
and keep, you know, sort of retaliatory situations like this from happening, then call the penalty. Call the penalty. 100%. Call the penalty. And you know what? We were talking about this. It's like, I, I get it where some of these may be worse than others, but it's it's like targeting in college football. You know what? You know, maybe some of these are ticky-tack, maybe not, but you if that certainly keeps players from making a hit to the head, like it's certainly been caused players to be more mindful of how they hit. Yes. If you make contact with a player's head on any situation, if you hit a player from behind into the boards in any situation, like back, like the numbers showing, if you make a hit like that ejection, if you make a hit, hit contact to the head ejection automatic, yeah. And look, yeah, there's they have that role where you can go up to the review and be like, oh, OK, well, that was, you know, not really the play. But if you make contact to the head, that should be an ejection that solves everything. Yes, that Players solves everything will... that keeps a player like David Perron from being feeling compelled to go take a headshot at somebody yeah. that stops Erica Branson from being compelled to body slam another player it, it stops all that but the nhl needs to get their shit together and and figure out how we want to police this because what we've seen is so inconsistent and so unserious and so unfrustrating that nobody in the nhl trusts that there's going to be justice for plays like this hundred percent that's it right there is that nobody Nobody believes that there's going to be consistent play calling that shows this is acceptable in the league and this is not acceptable in the league. And until the NHL starts consistently calling these things and players learn, hey, I have to adjust my decisions that I make in a game or I'm out of the game, this stuff is going to keep happening. It's on the NHL. Yeah. I mean, it's that it, it comes down to it. Yeah. Look, and, and what, yeah, like it's, it's just a basic thing that I think needs to happen. And the fact that it hasn't happened yet, it, it's just so inconsistent. Like you yeah. can't say like, well, it's, we're up to the players to kind of police themselves and all this. You can't clutch your pearls at what David Perron or Erica Branson did. And then also be like, you know, start breaking down the hits and be like, oh, well, you know, yeah, Alexander Carrier or Dylan Larkin got hurt. But if you freeze frame this yes. and you could see that his eyes, even though he made contact with his head, his eyes were actually looking at like the minute you do that, the more compelled that a player is just going to cold cock someone. 100%. Um, yeah, let us know your thoughts on that if you're listening, um, unless you're a Senators or Panthers fan because I don't want to deal with you. Um, yeah, <laughs> let, let us know. Leave us a comment uh, and uh, all that, either on our YouTube page or tweet us at LO underscore Predators. That's going to do it for us on today's Locked on Predators podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We'll be back with Plus Minus tomorrow.